Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 14. We are continuing our study of the book of Numbers. Last week, we were in chapter 13, in which we saw that the Lord commanded 12 spies to go into the land of Canaan to spy out the land, to see the faithfulness of his word that he would truly bring the people of Israel to a land flowing with milk and honey. But as you remember from last week, ten of the spies brought a bad report back and two brought a good report. You see, now we come into verse 14 and we will see how the people respond. Will they receive the promise in faith? Will they believe the two spies that bring the good report? Or will they reject the land that the Lord is giving them and follow the report of the ten spies? So let us turn our attention now as we pick up in God's Word starting in verse 1 of chapter 14. Hear now the Word of the Lord. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Skipping down to verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They will have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that He swore to give to them, that He has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live 
And as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant Word. Let us pray. Guide us now, O God, by Your Word and Spirit, that in Your light we may see light, in Your truth we might find freedom, and in Your will discover Your peace. Truly, Your Word declares to us that these things happen to Israel as an example to us, and they were written down for our instruction. So may we now give our full attention to these words that we might follow in Your ways all the days of our lives. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. It was September 21st, 1938, and one Long Island resident had just received his brand new barometer in the mail. He had ordered it 10 days earlier in New York City and could not wait to get it out and begin taking his own readings. As the story goes, though, he was quickly discouraged and disappointed with his new instrument. For the needle persistently pointed below 28, the section labeled tornadoes and hurricanes. He shook and banged it, thinking that the needle must be stuck. The weather wasn't great, but it didn't look like a hurricane or a tornado outside. He had not heard anything about a hurricane coming to Long Island. And the last time a storm of that magnitude struck that region was generations ago. And so despite the warning, he concluded that his new barometer must have been broken in shipping. Frustrated, this man rewrapped his broken instrument, enclosed a note of complaint, and headed to the post office to return it. And yet... While away at the post office, this man's shorefront home was completely demolished by a hurricane. You see, the Weather Bureau was caught completely off guard. They ignored all the warnings and they assumed that the cold water off the shore would dissipate the storm. Yet they were wrong. And by the time they saw their mistake, there was no time to warn the public. The New England hurricane of 1938 remains one of the deadliest in U.S. history because all the warning signs were ignored. There are two places in the New Testament that directly address Israel's rejection of the promised land. And both of them provide the same application for this event. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, we are told in reference to those who rejected the promised land, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And in Hebrews 3, we read, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. Take care, brothers. Let there be any of you with an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It might be easy for us to come to this passage for this morning and believe there's no way that I would act like the Israelites. There's no way that we would ever turn from God's promised blessings. Yet these warnings are given. Take heed lest you fall. The Israelites had seen the work of God. They had heard his word. They had experienced his provision. Yet when hardship and temptation came, they hardened their hearts and turned from the living God. And so this morning, as we turn our attention to Numbers 14, we must seek to heed this warning. We must think twice before we imagine that we are beyond falling. We must deeply consider the consequences of rejecting God's promises. And we must place our faith in God's mercy to keep us in the midst of our failure. The first thing that we need to see in our text for this morning is the depth of sin's rebellion. The depth of sin's rebellion. You see, if we would take heed of the warning of Israel's rejection of the promised land, we must understand how deep sin runs. You see, when Israel rejected the promised land, they were not just rejecting a particular piece of property. It wasn't like they were merely pulling out of a real estate deal at the last moment. Israel's rejection of the promised land was a complete and total rebellion against the Lord. Look at verses 3 and 4 of your text again. We read there, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then in verse 10, following Caleb and Joshua's encouragement to enter the land, we read there, then all the congregation said to stone them with stone. The land was rejected. The Lord was was rejected. The Lord's appointed leaders are rejected. The Lord's messengers are rejected. You see, sin is never a halfway issue. Sin is never a slight rebellion. Sin is always and ever a complete rebellion against God. And so we must take heed to the warning because sin is a complete rejection of God. And here is why we must take heed. This is why we must seek to see the warning. You see, sin is not to be played with. Sin is never a light issue. Each and every sin that we commit is a complete and total rejection of the Lord and His ways. 
And so one willful choice to reject God's law is a choice to reject God Himself. As James tells us, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. You will not be protected from falling to sin's temptation because you think your sins are only slight and small. Yet sin is not only complete, it's also irrational. Look at verse 2 of your text. It says, And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Israel has seen the Lord's deliverance out of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea and saw it consume the armies of Pharaoh. They've received God's law at Mount Sinai. They have eaten the manna. They have seen the glory cloud of the Lord leading them through the desert. Now what sense does it make to believe that God has done all of this just to abandon you at the edge of the promised land? What sense does it make to believe that the spies who went into the land, were telling the truth when they said it's flowing with milk and honey, but it devours its inhabitants. What sense does it make to say that it would be better to be killed as slaves in Egypt than to fight with the Lord God on your side in Israel? We must take heed because sin is totally irrational. We might look at others who have succumbed to addictions, or to adultery, or to other sins. And we think, how could they do that? How could they ruin their families? How could they ruin their careers? That makes no sense. Take heed, Christian. Sin doesn't make sense. It's completely irrational. Don't believe that your mind will keep you from falling. Don't think that when the day of testing comes that you will be in a place to evaluate the facts and choose wisely because sin is always irrational. And as we read through Numbers 14, we see that sin is also persistent. Israel continues to walk in sin. You see, following their rejection of the promised land, the Lord commands that they head back the way that they had come, back into the desert. But then we read in verses 39 and 40, if you look there in your text, when Moses told these words to all the people of Israel, the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and they went up to the heights of the hill country saying, here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. The Lord said, go into the land. And they said, no. The Lord said, do not go into the land. And they said, yes, we will. One of the more descriptive proverbs comes to mind at this moment. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. You see, sin is persistent. Ten times the people rebelled against the Lord. Sin doesn't let go. It continues to crop up over and over again. And once you think you are done with the battle is the very moment that temptation comes. 
if we would learn from the example of Israel, as we are instructed, then we must come to terms with the depth of sin's rebellion. Seeing that it is complete rebellion. Seeing that it is irrational rebellion. Seeing that it is persistent rebellion against the Lord. Yet even as we must see the depth of sin's rebellion, we must also see the depth of God's justice if we would heed the warning not to fall. God's justice is His power to give to each person as they deserve. So if you work hard, it is just to be paid for your labor. If you are guilty of a crime, it's just to receive punishment for that crime. If you cut someone off in traffic, it's just for you to get caught at the next red light with all the people that you passed. And in our passage, we see the depths of the Lord's justice. That is, we see that He has the power to give to each person exactly as they deserve. The Lord's justice is giving the Israelites a fitting punishment for their rebellion. As we've already read in verses 2 through 3, the Israelites said, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. And so the Lord gave them their desire. They rejected His good gift of the promised land, and so the whole generation of Israelites would wander in the wilderness until every single one died. No one from the first generation out of Egypt except Caleb and Joshua would would come into the promised land. 603,550 men were counted in the census. And 603,548 would die in the desert. And while we might balk at the idea of God's judgment, While it grinds against our modern sensibilities, God was completely just in His treatment of Israel. Their sin went to the very depth of unrighteousness. And so the Lord was just for the wages of sin is death. To heed the warning, we must not trifle with the living God. For His justice will bring to each of us as we deserve. Therefore, we must heed the warning if we would not fall into temptation. For we will receive the due and fitting punishment for our sin. Not only is God's justice fitting, but it is also unchangeable. Look at verses 21 and following. It says, But truly as I live, And as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. The judgments of the Lord do not change. He does not repent or make mistakes. When He declares His justice, it will come to pass as surely as He lives. And we might try to ignore His justice. We might seek 
to plead our case. Yet once the Lord has declared His verdict, there is no turning back. And the next thing we see concerning the Lord's judgment is that it is covenantal. Look at verse 18. It says, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. To heed the warning, we must see the depth of God's justice. Those declared guilty will not be cleared. His judgments are unchangeable. And He will enact judgment to the third and the fourth generation. Again, this is very jarring to us. We tend not to think covenantally. Nevertheless, throughout His Word, the Lord deals with His people according to covenant representation. That means that those who are the head of the family represent their family. And if a man is righteous, his family will be blessed. But if he is sinful, his family will be cursed. And so, when our first father Adam sinned, it was not only Adam that fell, but all of his children, all who descend from Adam, fell in him as well. And when the leaders of Israel rebelled against the Lord and rejected His land, it was the children of Israel who had to wander in the wilderness with their parents for 40 years. You see, to take heed in the day of temptation, we must see the depth of God's judgment. When sin is crouching at the door, we must listen to the warning of God's Word. For God's justice is no light matter. He will give to all what they deserve. A week ago this Sunday evening, everyone who was carrying a cell phone in this region received a warning. I was in our living room looking out the back window at the storm with my girls. Probably not the place you should be when a tornado is coming through with faces pressed up against the window. When April showed me the warning she had received on her phone and so down into the basement we went to ride out the tornado that ripped through our town. Who knows how many lives were spared because of the warning that was given. How many of you would have been out on the roads? How many of you would not have taken cover? You see, a warning was given so that lives might be saved. And even as our passage tells us of the depth of sin and of the depth of judgment, these warnings are not meant to discourage us. They are meant to point us to the depth of God's mercy. While there is judgment for sin, there is also great mercy shown. First, we see this mercy in God's chosen intercessor. The Lord's justice demanded death for rebellion. However, Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. That is, he places himself before the Lord and calls out for mercy according to God's character. He calls out for forgiveness. He pleads that they would be pardoned. We read this in verses 19 through 20. If you looked at you, if you would look at your text, it says, Please pardon the iniquity of this people 
according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. God in His grace has appointed an intercessor for His people so that His mercy might be shown. He listens to the voice of Moses so that the people will not be consumed in a moment. And when we see the warning of God's judgment, we also must run to the shelter of the mercy of His steadfast love. The phrase steadfast love there in your text means love expressed through faithfulness to a promise. You see, steadfast love is when a wife remains with her husband though he does not deserve her love. When a soldier lays down his life because he took an oath to support and defend his country. Steadfast love is when the Lord shows mercy to Israel because He made a promise to Abraham. I will be God to you and to your children after you. Though Israel rebelled from Egypt to Sinai, from Sinai to the edge of the promised land, according to His covenant promise, He showed mercy. And again, it's according to His steadfast love that He shows mercy. While the first generation out of Egypt will not see the land, the Lord will remain faithful to His covenant promise and will truly bring the sons of Abraham, the second generation, into the land. Though sin is complete rebellion, though God's justice requires His judgment, the Lord continually shows mercy to the people of Israel because He has placed His covenant love upon them. Though He will punish to the third and fourth generation of those who rebel against Him. He says that those He sets His love upon and that love Him will receive blessing unto thousands of generations. He will not break His word. He will never go back on His promise. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of the Lord will last forever. And so just as Moses did, we too must run to the Lord and take shelter in the depth of God's mercy, knowing that He is a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. And yet we are left with a strange tension. How can the Lord show mercy if our sin is complete rebellion and His justice demands a fitting response? How can God be both just and unchangeable in His justice and at the same time show mercy to His people? For as truly as we've already heard from Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. The just punishment for our sin is death. A complete rebellion requires a complete justice. So how can God show mercy? Well, as Romans 6 continues... But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For the Lord Jesus Christ came to deal with the depth of sin. And He went to the cross and the complete weight of our irrational and perpetual sin was placed upon Him. Every single rebellion was accounted to Him. Even though He knew no sin, He became sin 
for His people. And therefore, because the depth of our sin was placed upon Jesus, the depth of God's judgment was poured out upon Jesus. The wrath of God against our sin, the complete exacting justice of God requiring each sin receive a fitting punishment was executed against the Son of God. So that when on the cross Jesus died, the complete and total wrath of God was satisfied. For Jesus suffered in His soul the very wages of death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death. The very pains of hell. The Lord Jesus drank the full cup of God's punishment for sin so that all who come to Him in faith will be free from eternal punishment and they will be kept until the very end. Even as we have all died in Adam and have received the covenant punishment for that sin, all who come to Christ will receive the covenantal promise of new life and will be forgiven. You see, these things were written down for our instruction so that we might not rebel, but might heed the warning and run to Jesus in faith, believing in Him alone that we will find a depth of mercy that will cover the depth of our sin. For even as Moses interceded on behalf of Israel, the Lord Jesus now intercedes on our behalf, pleading the promises of His blood, Namely, that all who run to the shelter of His cross will never be swept up in the storm of sin and death, but rather will find a refuge for their souls. Do not be like those who ignore the warning. You might think that I exaggerate the depth of sin or the judgment of God. You might be like the man who bought his barometer and thought, hey, this is broken because it keeps pointing to the hurricane. It must not be calibrated correctly. Maybe this morning you think, that preacher isn't calibrated correctly. And while the sky might seem clear now, you must heed the warning of God's Word. You must heed the warning that a storm of judgment is coming because of the depth of your sin. So run to Christ in faith. Run to the shelter of His cross, believing that by His mercy you will be saved. And by His grace, though you have rebelled against His promises, because you have received His Son in faith, you will truly be brought home by His grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who has sounded in our ears Your divine and saving words, enlighten the souls of us sinners to the full understanding of what has been spoken that we may not only be hearers of spiritual words, but also doers of good works, following in faith a life of holiness and grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Well, if you would, at this time, stand as we come to join our voices together in our affirmation of faith as you will find printed for you in your bulletin. So I ask you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord of justice and mercy, creator of all things, we praise you that you are both just and merciful. Thank you that you displayed your justice and mercy at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were the guilty ones and we deserve death, yet you showed us mercy by pouring out your justice on your Son. Thank you that your mercy towards us never fails. Thank you that your loving kindness towards all your children is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you that even though that we are faithless, you remain faithful to the promises that you have made to us, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you that Christ's death on the cross has cleansed us from all our sins. Lord, help us to learn to take every thought captive, and give it to you and wash our hearts clean and pure so that we live and work to your honor and glory. Great Father of mercy, continue to be with those who are affected by last week's tornado. Thank you that you spared so many lives. For those who have damaged houses and property, bring helping hands and quick solutions to restore what was lost. Thank you for the countless hours that were spent by city workers, power linemen, and volunteers to help in the recovery process. And Lord, we ask that you be with Steve and Joan Tinsley as they support and encourage missionaries. Lord, for their upcoming trip to Russia and Ukraine, be with them. Lord, as they follow up, Lord, give them safe travel. Encourage them. Encourage the missionaries that they come in contact with. 
Lord, we now lift up the, those who are in need of your care. Please bring a continued healing to Ron Adams. Lord, we ask for full recoveries and complete health for June Beaver, Mary Jane Sidner, and Earl Thompson. We celebrate and are thankful for the birth of Waverly Alexandra Mudrick. Lord, we ask that you would be with Colin and Berkeley as they raise their daughter and that Waverly would not know a day apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus is our hope and salvation. We pray all these things in his name, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All that we have is from a gracious God. In response to His kindness to us, let us give our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray together. Father, in response to your great gift to us, we offer ourselves to you with thanksgiving and joy. Accept these tokens of our lives. Bless and multiply them for the spread of the gospel, the strengthening of your church, and the increase of your kingdom, to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Receive now your benediction from the Word of God found in the book of Numbers. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.